Welcome to the Let's Get Vulnerable podcast with me, your host, Dr. Morgan Anderson, clinical psychologist, relationship coach, love expert, creator of the ESL relationship method and athletic wear connoisseur. My mission is to help you raise your self-worth, have great relationships and step confidently into the next level of your life. Each week, two episodes will air featuring expert advice, live coaching, and tips showing you exactly how to improve your life and attract great relationships. You deserve to feel empowered, secure, and loved. So buckle up and let's get vulnerable. Do you feel like you keep dating people who won't commit and you've struggled in your dating life, you've gone through all these breakups, or maybe you've even struggled to consistently date and stay in the dating game, and you are actually the one who struggles to commit and let your walls down. I know how exhausting this can be when you have this desire on your heart that you really want that partner, that best friend, that person to build a life with, And yet your dating life is just going nowhere and you can't seem to find a person to build a healthy relationship with. I just know how frustrating that is. And I was able to take everything I know from clinical psychology and attachment theory research and NLP belief work and build a program that can help you no matter what your past has been, even if you've never had a healthy relationship before in your life, this program will help you become the securely attached, healthy, high self-worth version of you who effortlessly attracts that partner that you've always wanted. So spots are really limited. We can only take a small amount of people every month. And I want to invite you to not wait on your healing. Love is for those who are willing to be brave and do the work, and you are so deserving of removing the barriers to everything you desire. So I just want to invite you, apply to the Empowered, Secure, Loved program. You get coaching with me, and you will be able to embody that version of you that you deserve. And spots, once again, are super limited. So make sure you apply. You can find the link in my Instagram bio. My Instagram handles Dr. Morgan Coaching, and the link will also be in the show notes. I'm so excited for you to embody that healthy, securely attached version of you. You are so worthy of it. Welcome to the Let's Get Vulnerable podcast. We have a very special guest, returned guest to today's episode. I'm so excited to have her. Dr. Tracy, welcome to the show. I'm so happy to have you. Hi, Dr. Morgan. Thank you so much for having me back. Just before we jumped on, we were both saying, gosh, how much has changed since the last time you and I sat together. And I just want to say thank you so much for inviting me back on. I can't wait for this conversation. I know. I'm so excited. Yes. Definitely a lot. And you are giving birth to a book, which is something that I can relate to. Um, so we'll we'll let everybody know about that. And I do want to read your bio just to remind the audience a little bit about who you are. So I'm going to give your, your bio a quick read here. Um, Dr. Tracy is a clinical psychologist and relationship 
expert who is on a mission to help couples break old relationship cycles and find joy in their relationships again. She's the owner of Integrated Wellness, a mental health practice in Ottawa, Ontario, and has been working with individuals and couples for 17 years. Dr. Tracy has extensive books, journals, and online media. Her forthcoming debut book, I Didn't Sign Up For This, A Couples Therapist Shares Real Life Stories of Breaking Patterns and Finding Joy in Relationships including her own, is coming out September 12th, 2023. And this book features case studies from her practice and her own relationship. The book helps readers learn how to get unstuck in their relationships. Dr. Tracy lives in Ottawa with her husband and two children. Welcome, welcome, welcome. Thank you, Morgan. So I think you have so much amazing experience. And it was funny. I I have a twin sister. I don't know if you know this about me. And she has two kids, my niece and nephew. They're six and four. And this week, I have had the kids. She's moving into a new house. So I'm sort of this pseudo parent and trying to juggle work and all the other things. So respect for all the moms out there, all the all the couples who are balancing parenthood and their own relationships. Um, so I thought that was kind of a really nice, you know, lead up to our conversation that I was having that experience. <laughs> it, it's a really, you know, I think one of the things that always stands out for me when I think about relationships and the seasons that we go through is that uh, we're really not prepared for them. And that's exactly what you were, you, you did in your book, Love Magnet, is you helped women to become more secure and prepared to find love and to be in a connected, healthy, um, bonded relationship. And we think of then all the seasons that come after that. Very rarely do we prepare ourselves emotionally, but also do we very rarely prepare our relationships. And so all of the old stuff that we might have been struggling with before can easily resurface depending on the season that we are entering into, right? Some couples, it's when they move in together. Some couples, it's when they get married, these milestone moments. And having children is no exception to one of those milestones of when kind of just like, you know, the everything can shatter and just become so much more difficult to navigate and to feel close through. Mm-hmm. And I love how vulnerable you are um, on social media and I'm sure in the book as well, just about your own experience. Can you tell us a little bit about what was it that that led you to focus on this area and helping couples in this way? Mm-hmm. You know, it's so interesting when we think of therapists, we think therapists have it all together and they know all the strategies. So then they must be able to then do that in their own life. And yet it's so different when we're in the therapist chair and we are in that secure position or that objective position, right? With our clients and we can talk about the things they need to do. We have different interventions to help explore their beliefs and their thought patterns and their old wounds. And then when you close the door at the end of the day and you go home into your own life, your own stuff is still in there. And it was so interesting to experience the journey of motherhood as a couples therapist and to feel like my entire world was turned upside down. I was working with mothers. I had several years of working with couples and there's just nothing that could have prepared our relationship for what happened. And when I wrote the book, I didn't sign up for this. When I wrote this, I really thought this is a book that I wish all couples would be able to read so that they could see the journey that people go on so that they can see just how hard seasons of our relationships are. 
they're not just new parents that I talk about in the book, but it's also a couple who is exploring fertility, another couple who's blending their family. So who have older children and are dealing with difficult ex-partners, but we all in some way struggle in our relationships. So for myself, it wasn't just that I was struggling in my marriage after having our first child and then our second. Then what happened is that I was feeling all of the shame that I shouldn't be struggling. And in a world where social media reflects back these really um, happy couples and these static images and now these reels, right? <laughs> I, I was left wondering, it's just me. How can that be, right? And that is really what inspired me to want to put my story inside of this book because I thought if I keep my story out of the book, then in some ways I'm hiding parts of me and I'm saying, I don't struggle with this when actually my humanness is, I believe what will help people to understand just how hard relationships are, even when we have all of the skills and tools in our toolbox. I love it. I think it's so important to show that we are humans first, right? We may have all the training and know all the interventions, but we really are humans first. And that allows people to more deeply connect with you and also know that, Hey, you know, you've, you've been there, you've experienced it. So I love that, that you were brave enough to be vulnerable. There's something about being vulnerable in a book too. That's just a whole different level. Cause you're like, Whoa, this is around. It's going to be out there forever. So I know what that's like. So I really just cheer you on in that. It's really brave. Thank you. I appreciate that. It is. It, there's a lot of vulnerability in releasing this book and it's excitement. It's that skited feeling that Glennon Doyle yeah. talks about. It, I, I'm scared. I'm nervous. And I'm also so excited. And I do come back to that piece around our stories are where we can learn and make an impact. And just to peel back, I, I don't know about you, Dr. Morgan, but for me, I I remember sitting down first day of my PhD program and the instructor at the time said, this is 2006. We were told get completely off of social media. Don't let your clients know anything about you and your life. Like absolutely, like there's, you are a blank slate as a therapist. And well, that's where we came from in the sense of how psychotherapy has been developed in our early models and empirical empirically validated methods for helping clients. But what we're noticing in the therapy field is that a lot of people now want to know, do you actually get me? Do you understand? And can I connect with you? It doesn't mean you and I need to have the same experience, but it does mean that somehow I need to feel like you're a human with me and not just a robot. Absolutely. Yeah. The the blank slate model that is so just drilled into us in our training, I think finding that that's not really what people want and it's maybe not what they really benefit from. So bringing that human element to the therapeutic relationship. I love it. I love it so much. Um, let's talk about just some tangible things that that someone could maybe even start now. Maybe they're in a relationship and they're struggling and they're feeling the mental load and they're feeling the resentment building. And you and I know resentment is a relationship killer. Once we start mm -hmm. getting resentment, then there's mm -hmm. distance, then there's all kinds of problems that come after. So what are, what is like, you know, there's a couple things that somebody could do to prevent resentment. Mm -hmm. Okay. The first thing that immediately comes to mind for me is to actually sit in understanding what your own needs are and how they change over time. And again, over seasons, I love using the expression of seasons in our relationship because it does remind us that things ebb and flow and change and that nothing stays the same. And if we know one thing for sure, 
It's that our relationships are going to change, right? Particularly, we think of that deepening of our connection, which then can sometimes change desire levels, arousal, it can change sex, it changes the rituals you hold and so forth. And then there are seasons where sometimes we're connected, we're further apart. So let's think about first, what does resentment symbolize for us? And resentment can, I break it down to this main piece, which is that I'm either not communicating something to you or my needs are not being met. So my needs are not being met because I'm not sharing it with you or because you're not meeting it in some way. And when I come back to what's that emotion underneath resentment, for many people, it is around envy. Envy being that someone else has something that I want or I don't have or I would like to have. And so a classic example around the mental load, and I I remember experiencing this even before we had kids. My husband would go and put his feet up sitting on the on the couch, he'd grab his book or his phone scrolling and I'm in the kitchen scrubbing the counters. Clean counters, I know, are a genetic piece that I've inherited from my family. <laughs> and it's kind of my thing. It was like I would feel anxious and I would just go and clean the kitchen counters. But it, for me, it was like, I'm going to complete this task. I'm going to fully clean the kitchen. And once it's done, then I can relax. So I held this belief around the rules of what it meant to relax. So that's my belief. But then I would look at my partner and start to feel resentful towards him. And when I ask myself what's happening in this moment, it's because he doesn't hold that belief and he allows himself to rest. And so what would it be like then for me to say, hmm, I'm either going to communicate to my partner what I need, which is, okay, we need to find a way to manage the kitchen and what it means to clean up at the end of the day and how we like to start the day the next day going forward. And then how can we negotiate and compromise around that together as a team? Um, But gosh, I'm going to sit down right now and I'm going to put my feet up and I'm going to allow myself to rest. And the moment that I started making those shifts in my relationship, that resentment started to ease up a little bit because I was then starting to feed what it is that I need. So for those who maybe aren't feeling that that pull towards the anger or frustration and resentment. But maybe you're starting to say like, things don't feel as good in our relationship right now. Maybe then ask yourself, how am I doing with my needs? Am I pushing them away? Do I share them? Am I sharing them in ways that maybe are not bringing my partner towards me and closer? Or maybe I'm not sharing them at all. Mm, This is so good. There's so much there in, in what you said. And I think that a lot of us, probably aren't aware of the needs, right? We're just in the day-to-day and we think the counters are about the counters or the dishes are about the dishes. And mm-hmm. you know, I think there's a lot of therapists will say it's never about the dishes. Like we know there's something deeper. So even just that invitation to explore what is the deeper need. Mm-hmm. And then what I what I love about what you said is it's not judging the need. It's not, oh, I shouldn't feel that way. I should be just a good a good wife or a good partner. And I shouldn't feel that way. It's this acceptance and acknowledgement of the need. And then it's that curiosity that you're talking about. of How can I have this need met in a different way? Right. Right. How can I also take responsibility for my own needs? And so in, in those moments, someone might say, well, is, is the partner, um, are they going to do the dishes? And maybe they don't, but that that then gets into the task division within a couple, within a household. We can look at task division and how things are done. Um, but we know that we can get into all kinds of different behaviors that work against us to actually 
move through the mental load and to actually communicate and feel close and connected. And I think one of the first things we need to be able to say is, yeah, I'm really good at pushing away my needs, judging my needs, letting them go, not listening to them, doing what my partner wants to do or doing being on autopilot and listening to that anxiety. Like I have to clean the kitchen. No, you don't. You can make a choice there. You can make a conscious choice. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, and I think this piece about seasons too, that I know that you've mentioned, it's, I think it's just so, so important. The closeness of there's times when you are really close. There's times where you are really connected and it's flowing. And then there's times where you are more distant and just normalizing that. And then acknowledging Mm -hmm. that you can have communication about that, which is what you're talking about. Yeah. And how, how empowering is that for couples when they can just say, Hey, I'm noticing that we're not as connected right now, just to even name that and not judge it. Right. And name it. And to know that it doesn't necessarily mean there's something faulty and wrong. Right. So if one partner is, is swamped with a work deadline. And this is, there's there's nuances in always what we're talking about as well. And it's always going to depend on you and your relationship and what your needs are. But let's, for example, say one partner is really stressed trying to make a promotion. And so they are focusing a lot on work right now. That is something that is really important to them and they want to make it to that point. Um, that person can, well, both as a, as a partnership, you can co-create this experience together and say, listen, I know right now we are not having a lot of dates. We're not having those deeper conversations. I know I'm coming home tired. I want you to know I'm in this with you. I need your support through this hard season. And then let's make sure we plan this for that time. That doesn't mean you get to then prioritize your own self and completely ignore your partner's needs. And what it suggests instead is, okay, so then how, given what's happening in this season, how do we then look after each other? Let me switch over to newly postpartum parents. It's not realistic to say we are going to have date nights into 2 a.m. and long weekend getaways when you are four weeks postpartum, six months postpartum, maybe even two years postpartum. Sometimes it's just not possible. And so I think what's really important to remember there, though, is that you don't just stop finding ways to connect. You find new ways to connect. You redefine that. Maybe it is about something small, like pouring your partner's cup of coffee. And when you deliver it, you say, I'm so grateful we're in this together. You make sure you're having your morning kisses or that greeting at the door, whatever those small rituals are that maintain that sense of connection in some way. Those are the things we want to be nurturing, not just letting the whole relationship go because of the season. So good. And I love the the curiosity, you know, that you are curious about, okay, what can this look like and tuning in to each other and allowing it to be creative and look different than it's looked before that connection can evolve and grow and look different in different seasons. And then it's the whole, you know, that you mentioned at the beginning of the episode of not comparing yourself to people on social media or not comparing yourself to some false ideal of how you think it should be. Mm. Um, and simply acknowledging the reality of, I'm, I'm saying a lot of C words right now, but the capacity, right? Like about capacity and what's what's available to each person in terms of how they can connect. Um, it definitely makes me think about my partner and I, even in our move across the country from Florida to Montana, he started a brand new job and you know, I'm here with friends and family and he's doesn't know people. And it was just this huge shift in our relationship. Um, and I'm so grateful that I knew 
hey, we're going through a transition time. This is okay. And let's work through it. And things have really Hmm. kind of gotten more back to our normal now. But for six months, it was a little different. But if that and freaked out and thought, oh my gosh, he just moved here and things are falling apart. You know, that would have been a totally different experience. So I'm just grateful that I have that understanding and hopefully more and more people do as they read your book and, and learn about this. You talk about something really important there that is so important in our relationships, which is to not personalize someone else's struggle, right? That you, you know, you're doing things with your family and friends, and this is a sense of knowing for you in this move. And then your partner is kind of like, okay, where's my footing starting this job? Like there's lots going on. And so when we do feel further apart in those seasons, it's not, it's often not personal, right? That this is a chance to then check in with each other to see how we're doing. And that I think is the piece that people start to build fear around because it's actually an incredibly vulnerable thing to do to turn to your partner one night. Maybe you're sitting on the couch and to say, you know, I've just been thinking about us lately and I thought I would check in. How, how do you feel about the love that I'm showing you? Is there something I could do more of? And when we can use that curiosity um, and also compassion, the understanding of what they're experiencing and sharing and viewing them with kindness as we would a dear friend, then that opens the door for more connection, a different kind of connection. So it might not be those like deep date nights that you had before or those long weekends away, but then intimacy then starts to come from other ways of doing that. Yeah. I wanted to ask you if you have any tips for couples and probably this is in the book but just practices or like dialogue around how to have those check-ins and because i i shared for me i found it has to be on a calendar and that could just be the season i'm in it like if it's not on the calendar it doesn't happen but um what what advice do you have for couples who maybe don't have this practice yet yeah absolutely and i think one of the biggest objections that people tend to say is my partner doesn't want to, or I don't know how to talk about it. And so, of course, what happens in relationships is when we go to our partner and say, let's talk about something, it can sometimes feel like we're talking about the negative rather than having a relationship check-in. And checking in means we're talking about things that are going well and things that we can improve on. And I think we can introduce the idea to our partner by saying, we, we, could benefit from sitting together and having this intentional conversation and it would be helpful. And I always like to turn it back on me. I, w- I would say it would be helpful for me for uh, to, to have this conversation so that I, I can see how I'm doing in terms of meeting your needs as well. Um, I know it can feel strange for people to talk about like needs and feelings, but once we start using those words over time, it does feel a little bit more comfortable. And I love Morgan that you schedule it because like going to the gym, like seeing your friends, these things don't happen if they're not on the calendar. So do schedule it and then hold yourselves to it. It doesn't matter who initiates. Let's remove the ego in that one where it's like, you never initiated and I always have to. It doesn't matter who does. It matters that you're both there and showing up and it's we. I encourage people to use this as a we conversation. We're shoulder to shoulder. And if there are problems that we're looking outward at the problem, I think that's really important. But then I also encourage couples just develop three to five questions that you ask each other every single time as a way to open up the conversation. And it can start with something like, what do you appreciate about me in our relationship this week? And then it could start to say, what was something stressful that happened for you this week? How can I support you through that? 
And you might even ask, how do you feel about our love and connection this week? Or what else do you need this week or today for me to show you love? And those are just really quick questions that can open the door. The, the challenge though, is when you have those that check-in, is to show up openly and be willing to listen to what your partner is saying. And if you don't understand immediately, ask more questions. And if your partner does say they're hurt about something, take responsibility for it. We can do that. That's okay to do. It doesn't mean you're a bad partner. It means, oh, your partner needed something and you weren't there. And next time we can try differently. Do you have set questions that you ask each other or is it more of just a... I, th- I think we we ask a lot of what you said, but probably just in a little bit different ways. We always check in of, do you have anything really important coming up this week? So we do this on Sunday nights and it's, do you have anything really important coming up this week? And how can I support you? Mm. How, how would you like to be supported this week? Um, and then just how are you doing emotionally? You know? <laughs> so I, I, yeah, but it's, it's really important. I'm always surprised what comes up. And I think you you kind of mentioned this of how we have to realize that there can be one experience that happens, but two individuals will experience it differently. And it is dropping your ego and having that curiosity and saying, oh, maybe I experienced this a certain way, but my partner experienced it differently. And the, the willingness to hold both of those truths at the same time. Yes, which is incredibly hard because we get stuck in that personalizing and our own shame shows up and then we do all kinds of other things. And that's where those repeating negative cycles that I talk about in the book, where I show, I show all four, all four cases, all four couples in my book, I show what that cycle looks like and how it sounds like for people. Because we do, we then start to up the ante, we then start to get angry or we criticize. And as relationships unfold, these cycles are repeating. They become rigid over time and they push people apart so that we are no longer sharing emotions and needs that bring us closer and connected. They push us apart. Mm. Everyone get Tracy's book for, for your relationship. <laughs> Um, it's just so important to understand this. And you know, one one thing I wanted to ask you about, because I get this question a lot, and I think you probably get it even more than I do, is let's say there's a couple and one partner is really struggling with mental health, or they're they're really struggling with their career, maybe they're unemployed, mm-hmm. um, but they're going through a very difficult time in their life. And you and I know that that can be very hard on the couple ecosystem. Yes, absolutely. Yeah. What found is my partner who wants to support their partner going through the tough time. Can you say that one more time? Because it cut out oh, right yeah. there. Yeah. Just what is what is most helpful when you are trying to support someone who's going through that tough time? Mm. I think first immediately of boundaries and empathy. So what I often hear from people in my office is they'll say, um, you know, I'm just trying to fix it. And fixing, we know, can lead our partners to dig their feet in. Our partners don't tend to come to us wanting solutions. They want to be heard. And solutions need to come sometimes from objective outsiders, like a therapist or a coach. And... Um, if we as partners step into that fixing role, it, it could be helpful, maybe if your partner's asking for that, 
or you could both end up building resentment towards each other. So empathy is really important, which sounds like I see you're really struggling here. Um, uh, you are having a hard time. This is a hard season. And you might even say, how can I support you right now? Do you want me to do some problem solving? What does that look like? Um, but then when I go, when I think about this as well, I help clients around setting boundaries, which is, you know, how much are you willing to go into that? Because there are two selves in the relationship. And when I think of some of the parents actually that I work with, they'll say things like my husband's depressed um, and he doesn't help with the kids. He says he's too depressed. He's on the couch. And and I do a both end, kind of just what you had done, right? Like the both experiences. Yes, someone can be depressed and they still need to engage in their life and hold their responsibilities. And so by you wanting to almost like vacuum away their responsibilities can sometimes lead to greater feelings of depression. Um, that actually what we know for even depression and anxiety is to get into your life and to do things that are meaningful to you. So for the other partner who's not struggling with their mental health or unemployment, what they might then decide to do is they might give the empathy, but then they also might say, you know, this isn't something that I can help you with. I need you to get that support. It's like holding up that mirror back to them. And then our own work comes to the space of, am I willing to accept my partner where they are right now? Am I willing to accept that I can't change them or force them along this journey? And sometimes that comes to having a conversation at the dinner table, which sounds like, you know, our agreement in our relationship is this, and I need you to be able to pull that weight right now. What does that look like for us as a couple? How are we going to support each other back and forth? Mm, so important. And the the boundaries piece is really, really major. And I think What's really interesting is sometimes there's part of us that wants to set the boundary, but then there can be the wounded parts of us that really struggle with that boundary because we might even have beliefs about caretaking and people pleasing, right? Right. That we need to show up that, that way in order to prevent abandonment or to maintain the relationship. So I think what you said about boundaries you know when, when we hear that logically and, and we're in a really healthy place we say yes of course boundaries of course. right and like taking that look at what's maybe getting in the way of setting boundaries is there any unconscious pull towards hmm. codependency or caretaking or people pleasing right i know you've probably seen that as much right. as i have yeah the overtaking responsibility for your partner. Absolutely. And those boundaries sometimes are with yourself, which is I'm not going to spend my eight to nine time where I would normally maybe go for my walk or see my friends. I'm not going to spend eight to nine doing the job search for my partner who didn't do it during the day. That's a self boundary, right? And then you might also say to your partner, I can't be the one to hear all of what's happening inside of you. I can support you in this way, but I can't do all of that. And Again, that is that like building the interdependence, which is I'm a separate self from you and I still love you and I can empathize with you and we can co-create this world together. And you're responsible for your mental health yes. and your contribution here. And you need to do that. Yes. Such a hard space to enter into, right? It really is. And I'm, I'm glad you mentioned interdependence, this idea that I can support you and I would hope you would support yourself as well. So it's it's both. We can show up for each other and as individuals, we need to show up for ourselves mm. and relationships that foster that and that have boundaries to make sure that 
you do get to be two individuals who also know how to show up for themselves. And I think sometimes the best support we can say is, I hope that you get the support that you need and let me know how can I help you get what it is that you need, right? Because I know that it's not healthy for me to be that support for you or show up in that way for you. And that that is always going to be, it depends on the person, right? So I'm thinking of one person I worked with that um, four months postpartum, she said to her partner, I'm struggling. I need you to book a therapist appointment. I can't, I'm so overwhelmed. I can't book the therapist. Just find me a therapist and I will show up to it. And the partner says, yes, I got that. Okay, I'm doing it for you. And then she showed up, she's doing the work, right? So it it is a way of, can we signal for support? Can we ask for it? But then also, What's our capacity? What are we able to do? Yeah. Yeah. And definitely difficult conversations. And when we're willing to show up in these conversations, you know, I mean, this is a wonderful way to deepen connection, even through the challenging times. I think that's the beautiful thing of, if we call it conflict or challenging conversations, really when we're open and we're honest and we express what we need, we can grow so much through those Mm -hmm. challenging times. You know, it's interesting when I think about all of my emotionally focused couples therapy training, couples don't come into into my office and say, "Um, we're so disconnected because she didn't help me find a job. It's that we're so disconnected because I go to her and say, I'm struggling. And she tells me to just suck it up and start looking for a job. And so I'm showing up in this relationship and I feel completely inadequate and alone. And like, she's not even there to support me. Right. So when I think of what, what is it that our part, what is it that we at our core need that connection? We need to know that we're important and that we matter to our loved ones, that we're enough for them. And that is at that core support, not the, I'm going to come in and problem solve for you. So true. So true. And, you know, I think we've all been guilty of this. I know I have at times. Of oh, of course, me the, too. <laughs> the therapist, the personal trainer, the personal chef, the driver, like all the, all the different roles I've tried to play for relationships. <laughs> right. And uh, when we, when we realize that it's, it's such a um, powerful gift to just see people and let them know that they're seen and that they're heard and that they're understood. <laughs> And really that that is the more challenging and more vulnerable offering. Problem solving, you know, we could we could do that, but to be truly vulnerable, to be truly connected, it does take that bravery of I want to deeply see you and know you and understand what's really going on. I think of the title of my book and I titled it I didn't sign up for this because I found so many people showing up into my office saying this expression about their relationship. This isn't the relationship I signed up for. This isn't, I didn't sign up for this. This is what I wanted. And, you know, it's so interesting because oftentimes that's, that is where we end up in our relationships because we change and we're not ready for it, or we don't know how to weather those changes or to come back together when we feel distant and disconnected. And you can, I I do encourage people to remember this conflict is not a bad thing. Those seasons of disconnection are not a bad thing, but it is about then how do I shape this relationship myself and how I want to show up authentically? How do we get there so that this is a relationship that feels good for us, for both of us and for myself? So good. So good. Yeah. And I think it's so it's so important to realize that this isn't some place that you get to seven years in or 10 years in that you really 
owe it to yourself to start being curious about understanding each other and having better communication and knowing what each other's needs are from day one, like start the relationship with that relationship culture of let's, let's be open and honest and know each other's needs Mm -hmm. as early on as we can. Yeah. Tracy, this has been such a good conversation. Time is flying by. I always love getting to talk with you. I want to make sure people can get your book and connect with you. Can you tell us all, all the things we need to know? Absolutely. And it's interesting that we're ending on difficult conversations. So when people pre-order the book right now, they receive my exclusive guide, which is is a guide to help you navigate these exact difficult conversations. So it's a 27 page guide. I have step-by-step in there of how to communicate. It's really hard stuff and in hopes of helping you to resolve some of those conflicts that are happening. So the book, you can access the book anywhere you buy books. Um, The easiest way to do that is to go to my website, drtracyd.com forward slash book. And you will see there, there's a link to the different websites that you can go to, to grab the book and then come back and put in the order number. And then I'll immediately send you that pre-order bonus, which I'm so excited about. I have to show you the cover. Oh, yes. I, lo- I love the cover. It's got two questions on it, which just reminds me that we're in relationship, right? Like yeah. it's not just one. There's two, two on the couch. So oh, I love it. I love it's, it. It's so exciting. And I just know that people are going to see themselves in these stories that um, so far the people who have read the book have said, okay, I saw myself in, you know, a little bit in each story and can relate to it, which just really shows the humanness of these everyday stories. So for those listening, I would love for you to grab the book. Also come over on Instagram, say hello to me. I'm at Dr. Tracy D. I'm in my DMs. I'm on there. I'm social. So do say hello and let me know what stood out for you from today's episode. And one thing I love about what um, you put out is it's always actionable, real. There's so much value and things that you can go and apply to your relationship now today. So yeah, if you're not following her, please go follow her and grab the book everything in the show notes as well. Uh, But yeah, thank you so much for this conversation. I just have one more question for you. I ask every guest this. Um, If you're walking down the street, random person comes up to you and they say, what is your best life advice of the moment? Doesn't have to be of all time. But right now today, what would be your, your best life advice? Oh, I was just told this two times this week. So this is what I'm sharing. Trust people for who they are. People are going to show you who they are. Trust it. This is so good. I love it. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you, Dr. Morgan, for having me on. And thank you, everyone, for, for listening and joining us today. Thank you so much. And we are so excited to support you and your book. Make sure you go grab it. We'll have it once again. Everything will be in the show notes. Um, And of course, to everyone listening, we're both wishing you high self worth and great relationships. We'll talk to you soon. You guys, thanks for tuning in. I really appreciate each and every one of you. The best way that you can thank me is by sharing this episode on Instagram, Facebook, and making sure that you tag me at Dr. Morgan Coaching. And it would really mean the world to me if you took just two minutes to leave me a five-star review on iTunes. This podcast is not free to produce. And the more that you help this little show grow, the more people will have access to this valuable information. 
So until next time, I'm wishing you high self-worth and great relationships. Thank you for being part of this community. 